Hello and welcome to the opening bell, uh, the boxing news podcast. Um, Tris Dixon is not available for duties today, so we've got the always willing John Denon Hello. alongside me, um, which is always fun. Um, let's start off, um, quite a few things to talk about. Let's start off with the world title fight you attended at the weekend and people feared the worst when it was announced in that people questioned the quality for a world title fight and it was Stewie Hall against Martin Ward um, and through no fault of the competitors it was a bit of an anti-climax wasn't it? Yeah it was a huge anti-climax it just uh, ended before it even got going because heads collided Martin Ward had bad cuts, uh, you know, and so it had to be stopped barely into the second round. So it was a technical draw, leaving everyone pretty, pretty deflated by the whole thing. Um, you know, I spoke to Stewie after the fight. He was, you know, especially gutted because he wanted to sort of make a statement. You know, he was confident in getting the knockout. He wanted to sort of get a good win. You know, he's from Darlington, so it was a sort of, well, a north, a, a northeast an all northeast world title fight so you know big in that in that part of the world but it doesn't really you know it looked it looked bad i suppose that that there was some criticism for the, what were martin ward's credentials as a world title challenger you know he is sort of you know and he hasn't even won the british title um and then for it end to end in you know not farcical but to end over you know so soon um, without an, without even a, a conclusive result was a, you know frustrating for, for everyone involved. Yeah, I mean you simply go out to certainly to the fighters involved. I mean there's something there's something interesting that that Stewie Hall said in a piece that you put on the website yesterday, and that you know okay I only fought for two rounds, and you know on paper it was an easy night, but I went through a whole training camp for that. But also something else that I think you have to consider. Is, is 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 the crowd? I mean, what was the mood like when that was stopped in the second round amongst the crowd, who had obviously paid over a fair bit of cash to go along to see to see a world title fight? Yeah, it was. You know, it wasn't it wasn't received well, but um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like everyone. It wasn't like a riot broke out, but it was. It was just very flat atmosphere, sort of up after that. Um, but you know, what, what can anyone say? These these things happen. I mm. suppose it's one of one of the risks, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. You've been to a few world title fights now in your time, John. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm I sure do you don't want to talk about it. Um, just before before that happened in in, in the second round, um, just compare the atmosphere of, of Stewie Hall versus Martin Ward to some of the other world title fights you've been to. Uh, well, I, well, yeah, I suppose the one before that, I was at the Ricky Burns world title fight in Glasgow. Yeah. So that was, you know, sort of arenas of similar size, but in Glasgow it was packed with like 10,000 people. And I think Newcastle was laid out for a few thousand people. And it was never, it was never full. You could always see empty seats. It wasn't a bad atmosphere. Um, you know, there are a fair few there, but like the, the you know, on Burns's night in Glasgow, it was, you know, great atmosphere. You know, as he was walking, sort of processing to the ring. Then, when Crawford started outboxing him, it got it got a bit quiet. <laughs> I think the world title fight before that, I was, uh, 
Uh, I think I was, it was before that. Barker Sturm yeah. in Germany. Sturm always puts on a good show. But again, yeah. that was another fight that ended very quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, th through an injury. Um, but that, yeah, Sturm. That, you know, he sort of his entrance. He was sort of mine. He mined his way to the ring or something. It was pr it was pretty spectacular. Before that, I was at Frotch Groves. That was pretty intense. Yeah. Go on. Uh, before that, I was at um, uh, Bradley Marquez yeah. in, uh, in Las Vegas. Right. And again, before the, the way they staged that, you were sat there thinking, oh, this is actually going to be a really great fight. It wasn't, it was an interesting fight, not, you know, it wasn't Hagler Hearns. Well, were you at Hagler Hearns as well, were you? No, but they played it on the <laughs> TV screen, so I felt like I was there. Um, I can't remember, my memory goes blank before that. I was at the Olympic Games, should I talk about that for a bit? Mm. Go on. Anyway, I want to hear about you, Matt. <laughs> tell, tell me about yourself. Oh, we, we, we can't start that here. We can't start that here. Let's stick with Stewie Hall for a while. Um, Fair enough. Now, there's some. I've heard something this morning that there's, he's, Stewie Hall has kind of been a bit tight-lipped about who he wants to fight next. He understandably wants to go on a holiday and everything else. Um, but there's some talk that he's going to be involved in a unification fight with Anselmo Marino. What do you make of that for Stewie Hall? You know, because he, he did say um, in the interview that you know, after his next defence, he wants to go for a unification. How, um, you know, how great that would be. You know, it was, it was originally hard enough to imagine Stewie as a world champion, let alone a unified world champion. He is, you know, he is looking. Yeah, I know he is looking sort of strong, you know, and I think he is improving. And he certainly, you know, he didn't, you know, I mean, the round it lasted, he looked powerful, didn't rush anything. And you can make a case for him in that, um, you know, his, his fight to, to win the title was a great, heartwarming performance. His ranking fight, again, sort of got him in the, you know, winning a sort of minor IBF belt, sort of got him in the right place. I think what's muddied the waters for him in terms of being respected as a world champion is that Jamie McDonnell was stripped and yeah. that he fought for a yeah. vacant title. So I think that's what sort of prompted people to criticise him, even though that's not his fault, he just yeah. took his chance. Um, I mean, if I, were, if I was, was his, advisor, his advisor, I wouldn't be desperate to see him rush off to, to a unification battle and I don't know how that would work with, you know, his, his um, mandatory is being decided in an eliminator this Friday. Yeah. So I, 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 I was under the impression that the unification fight would have to be after, after mm. he defends against his mandatory. Yeah. Um, but I suppose but it takes him away from those, those domestic r rivals like McDonald yeah. who we mentioned. Um, Paul Butler's an easy fight to make but I don't think Stewie's that bothered about it. No, he didn't seem to have that many kind words for Paul Butler. Yeah, nor, nor Lee Haskins. Haskins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, all Brit you know, we this year seems to be a year for all British fights that, that are proving popular. But you know, in purely sporting terms, maybe if he wants to test himself against the best, maybe he needs to, to go overseas. Interesting time for Stewie Hall, yeah. I think we do have to give him, I think like you allude to, we do need to give him some credit and, you know, anybody that's, that's spoken to Stewie Hall really, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a nice guy and, you know, more power to him for, for what he's achieved because it doesn't happen that often in, um, in boxing. Also in action at the weekend was 
um, a light heavyweight, light heavyweight, Sergei Kovalev. Um, he kind of did what was expected against a perhaps pluckier um, Cedric Cedric Agnew. Um, mine went blank then. Who um, went into the seventh round? Some people were tipping an early, an earlier stoppage, but Agnew um, went into that unbeaten. Kovalev got rid of him. Never looked like, never looked in danger. Um, but the fight that we thought we were going to get, that looked like it was being, it was on the cards, was obviously Kovalev Stevenson. Now, the whole TV network issue in America, um, they've now, they're now pledged their loyalties to, to different TV networks over there, and it looks like that fight's not going to happen. Um, how much of a miss is that for boxing, John? Yeah, it's a big miss. You need, you need the big fights. And when both Kovalev and Stevenson with HBO, you thought that that made sense, and then it seemed they got another sort of you know war, you know tune up bout before it. Kovalev did, and then suddenly it's all fallen apart. I you know I don't know I don't know why these things happen, but it's not it's it's not good, is it? Sort of the obvious thing is to make the biggest fights with the best people in the divisions, and you know Kovalev Stevenson would be would have been a great fight for boxing. Um, you know. It's, it's a bit of a blow. Well, it's a real blow that it's not that it's not happening. It's nothing new in boxing, is it, that these fights fall through? Um, but each time that one something like this happens in the sport, and okay, let's not write it off just yet. But you know, we we we've seen this this go on before. We've seen this process happen before. Me personally, it, it's it's getting increasingly hard to take. Um, and you can see why some of the older guys that have been around in the that have been covering the sport ringside for, for for so many years are a little bit bitter about certain things because this is damaging the sport when this consistently is allowed to happen. Um, all I'm going to ask of you, John, is a solution. Uh, just put me in charge. <laughs> um, in theory. If you had one governing body with, you know, and so you didn't have the, the WBCs and WBOs of this world, um, if you had one governing body who did their own ranking system, and ideally it was transparent, and you had one world title, eventually either fighting for that world title in a division or to get to it, the top boxers would have to fight one another. Right? Yeah. So there you go. That's sort of case closed. <laughs> yeah, it's but I mean, it's not going to happen, is it? No, because the sort of you know, you know, the world title bodies are so well in place, and promoters, uh, you know, have relationships with different TV networks. Yeah. Um, but you know, I suppose in theory, you know, is that you know, that's what the UFC is. You know, it's not necessarily good to have a monopoly because UFC has sort of the top end of MMA sewn up, they can put the best guys in with each other. Um, you know, in, in football, there's one World Cup, isn't there? And everyone, you know, so it, the best team's gonna play each other. In tennis, they have four majors, but everyone goes in them, so everyone, you know, all the best do play against each other. Um, you know, why can't we do that? It's, to me, it's, it's, it's the, it's the most infuriating thing um, in the sport is that the best don't fight the best and so often now it seems to be happening that 
that these fights are falling through and it is a real, real shame. Um, it really is. I suppose you have to be glad for the good fights we do get, you know, at least uh, Frotch and Groves are fighting. Um, Mayweather, uh, not Mayweather, Pacquiao, Bradley is a, is a good fight, isn't it? Yeah, is it, no, that, that, that's, that's a good fight, but it's not the best fight to be made. Frotch, Groves, um, when that was made, there were better fights to be made. Bradley Provodnikov, when that was made, you know, it wasn't thought that was going to be a great fight. But because of the nature of boxing, now and again, we're going to, you're going to get fireworks, um, and and these great fights occur. But what I would really like to see happen, uh, to order me. into chaos. Well, yes, but let, but you know, let's let's have a fight that we expect is going to be great to actually go through. Let's enjoy the build-up. Let's get excited about it. Let the fight then deliver. And let's get excited about boxing. You know, the boxing is a wonderful, wonderful sport. It's a great spectacle. Um, I just, I don't, well, I don't know. Do, do we have to blame the boxers as well as the promoters and the TV companies? Because if a fighter says, I'm fighting this guy, you would think is so. it going to happen? So you do we have to blame Stevenson for not... You know, get, or at least give them a portion of the blame for not saying that this is the, this, this is the fight for me. I, I think I think everybody's to blame. I think everybody's to blame. Because, say, for example, when I was talking to 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 Stewie Hall, you know, obviously, you know, mm. you know, smaller, you know, to a small degree compared to those those major those other major fights, you know, we, we talk, when, when he was talking about Jamie McDonald, he was saying that's the fight I want. Um, but you know the politics. Obviously, he's sort of bound to Box Nation, McDonald's with Sky, and and uh, and matrimony and with the politics I just think it's too hard to make but if you know should it be the case that if he says all right I really want this then then it's going to happen well ultimately I think I think the fighters I think the fighters are, are perhaps um, less to blame um, or in that they will sign a contract with someone and if they're getting paid and they're they, they, they know how this works, yeah. you know, they say for example in America someone signs to Showtime, um, they're not going to start constantly wasting their time calling out a HBO fighter because they know really that it's not going to happen. They, oh, so they know that, that's, that's a situation that, that's, kind of been, that's kind of been created and they, they, then, they, they then exist within that. Um, and they'll want to honour the contract they yeah, have exactly. so if they've committed to you know, whatever yeah. TV channel it is, they'll, they'll yeah. Put, I suppose, they'll, yeah, they'd want to stay with that rather than yeah. going off for another fight. But I do think the vast majority of fighters, fighters being fighters, will fight, you know, whoever, whoever is put in front of them. And, and naturally, they all want to fight the best, but, you know, ultimately, money talks, and it always has done. Um, moving on, uh, this week, something that caught my eye, you just mentioned that you haven't, just before we, we kind of started recording, you mentioned you hadn't read it yet. I've had stuff on, Matt. I've been busy. It wasn't a criticism, John. It wasn't a criticism. You know, just I'll just I'm about to start talking about an Andy Lee feature that's in this week's um, issue. Um, excellent, excellent job by Elliot Wurzel, um, who spent quite a lot of time with Andy Lee since he's been with Adam Booth. Um, but the, the the essence of the feature is really is is kind of the ghost of Emmanuel Stewart that that is still there for Andy Lee and. Not sure if we've spoke about it on on the podcast, but I remember Andy Lee when he was coming through, um, and he was quite heavily hyped on ESPN 
at the time and there was a feature of um, Andy Lee and I believe he was at Emmanuel Stewart's house because I know he lived with Emmanuel Stewart for a long time um, and it was it was a really really interesting feature this is going back I, th I would top of my head say 2006 2007 it was was this before he lost to Brian Vera? It was not long before. Yeah. I think it may even have been in the build up in the build up to that fight when he lost to Brian Vera, which was a massive upset. But I remember Emmanuel Stewart saying um, that Andy Lee was, you know, one of the he was he, he was he could win a world middleweight title um, after about you know nine or ten fights. And Andy Lee for a while looked like he did look like a, a fantastic prospect exposed slightly against Brian Vera. Now, first of all, I would advise anybody who's got a passing interest to, to, to get a copy and read, and read that, because there's some really interesting stuff, some real good insight about what life was like under Manny Stewart, but there's also some really nice stuff about the respect that, that Adam Booth has got for, for Manny Stewart as well, and, and, and their first fight together as well, some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes, um, really good stuff there. But Andy Lee, John, um, you've spoke to him a few times. He is friend of Boxing News, real gentleman, always great to talk to. Um, in Golovkin is kind of making, well, it looks like that Golovkin is going to move up and fight Julio Cesar Chavez. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But so, where does that leave Andy Lee? Is, is he a potential world titleist at middleweight? Yeah, I, th I think he is. I mean, obviously, you know, he lost to Chavez, but that, you know, it was almost a creditable, creditable defeat, and that Chavez was so big and just kept coming, and the and the punches bounced off him, even though you know Lee can, can hit quite hard. Um, you know, he is a potential world world, world titleist, and maybe he probably gets hit a little bit bit too often, but he is skillful. He can he, he can bang. Um, you know, and he should be popular. You know, an Irish middleweight. He doesn't doesn't yeah. like that. Um, it's just middleweight seems a pretty a pretty strong division at the moment. But Stone would have his hands full with Andy Lee, wouldn't he? Yeah, but you say it's, it, it is a strong division, but it's a strong division because we 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 can we still consider and rightly we still consider Golovkin as a middleweight. Um, but if then if you kind of take but if Golovkin moves up to super middleweight, you would imagine he won't be coming back down. You've got the June 7th showdown um, between Sergio Martinez and Miguel Cotto. Both of those, you wouldn't imagine, have, have more than two or three fights left in them, whoever wins that one. Um, and then you've got Felix Sturm, another veteran. There is, is there a revolution? Is there, is, there a new, is there a new dawn approaching at middleweight? And if so, who will lead it? It's a great question. <laughs> yeah, that just, that just exactly. <laughs> Uh, it must be, yeah, no, it must be at hand. It's, it's coming soon, sort of a changing of the guard. Yeah. I don't know who the sort of, you know, I think Golovkin, you know, with Sergio Martinez aging, um, Golovkin is the outstanding middleweight at the yeah. moment. Uh, when he moves on, I'm not sure if there's going to be someone to be a clear number one, but that almost makes the division more interesting because there are lots of, you know, there are, lot, there, there are lots of contenders for titles, you know, sort of Peter Quillen's still got the WBO. Lucas Konechny isn't a, isn't a great opponent for no. I'd much rather see him against the likes of Andy Lee and yeah. Matthew Macklin. Yeah. Um, but there's a great, there's some great middleweight matchups there. I'm not sure who would be left standing at the head of the pack. Um, you know, Sturm for me is probably third behind um, Martinez and Golovkin. Yeah. 
and then Quillen by virtue of being a, yeah. a tight list, but you know, Quillen needs to be with some more demanding opponents. Yeah. Yeah. So it's gonna be a a mixed forecast <laughs> to continue your weather metaphor <laughs> or atmospheric metaphor. <laughs> okay, Cloudy. so let's 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 move on to what we discussed what uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Gennady Golovkin, which looking like it will take place um, at super middleweight. Already there has been um, there's there's, there's rumours and strong rumours that um, if Julio Cesar Chavez uh, Junior comes in overweight, he will have to pay one million dollars uh, fine, which um, kind of kind of says it all about what Chavez has done in the past. Um, that to me is a good fight. I like the sound of that. I much prefer that to say Chavez against Andre Ward. Um, Chavez, would you give him any chance in that in that fight? But, you know, Golovkin's not a massive middleweight, is he? And Chavez is probably gonna, you know he's just yeah. How big you know? Is he going to want to just pay a million and come in with a gigantic <laughs> size advantage? £203. Yeah. Yeah, so I yeah, so yeah, it is, it, is, it is a good fight. I think the size will be the key for Chavez, but Golovkin will probably, you know, Golovkin's a beast, isn't he? Yeah. He'll box his head off. Yeah, I think so. I think they should make it a million. Hopefully not literally. No, no, that would be a side, Gross. wouldn't it? Um, I... <laughs> I um, they, oh, sorry, we've lost, sorry, lost, lost, you lost my train of thought, yeah. Golovkin blind blind panic, blind panic. But Andre um, Ward has got to fight someone, but yeah, so but if Golovkin beats Chavez, exactly. then Golovkin Ward's a massive fight. Exactly, winner of Frotch Groves 2 as well, and then and then the super metal middleweight division. Um, real, real hotbed again, isn't it? Yes, but would Golovkin-Chavez be for, which, what would that be? Who, I don't, be for a title? I don't think it would be for a title. I don't think it would be for a title. And you know, some fights don't need titles, do they? That's true, Meth. <laughs> maybe they could, maybe, maybe they could fight for that, for that vacant John Denon championship you were describing earlier. Yeah, all right. I think it needs a catch in there. <laughs> I'm sure people are gonna be desperate to win that prize. <laughs> but it's fine, they can win a little statue of me. Yeah. Oh, that'd be nice. That'd All be right, nice. Just think about it. <laughs> okay. um, so, Jay, and then does that mean James DeGale can get in the mix? So he can get his long-awaited shot at the WBC title. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but although the thing is, we've got we've, we've got Chavez Junior at the mandatory there, haven't we? Um, but if Chavez is busy fighting Golovkin, yeah. Can Gale WBC? Oh, Saki Obika. Can Gale fight Beaker, and then the winner of Chavez Golovkin fights De Gale. Yeah. Winner of Frotch Groves comes in. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the John Denon Championship is shaping up nicely. It is. I just need the financial backing <laughs> of someone. You're speaking to the wrong person. Don't like, don't look at me for financial backing. Okay, moving on to this weekend. Right, we've got some good good fights this weekend, some intriguing fights. Right, ABA Championships are starting in London. We'll move on. We'll, okay, let's you know, start with the ABA Championships. Let's start with the ABA Championships. Um, I must admit, my knowledge of amateur boxing far, far, far uh, inferior to yours. Talk us through it. Um, you know, stuff's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is the. Don't, uh, don't blind me with something. <laughs> 
the early stage of the ABAs are, you know, as you as you imply, are a bit of a labyrinth. It is sort of confusing what's going on. So sort of you've got you've got regional stages. London is divided into four divisions. They go, you know, they will, those divisions are being decided this weekend. The winners fight in the. It, this just didn't, you know, fight through to a, the London finals. The same applies for the other regions around the country. They'll get more. They'll get less confusing this year when we get to the quarterfinals. That's all being done in a massive event in Liverpool at the end of April. And so, like a like an international tournament, we'll have. Uh, day after day for three days, the quarterfinals, oh, okay. the semi-finals, and the finals. Box without head guards with a new uh, ten points must scoring yeah. system. Um, so that's a big event at the end of yeah, the month, yeah. and it's just to get to that stage. Some boxes are seeded, sort of the the ten ten GB internationals are seeded in different ways, so they come in at the quarterfinals. Other boxes have to box through their regions to get there, and so so it is it is a bit of a it is a bit confusing the way it's set out. So, like when De Gale fought Groves in the in the ABAs, that was in the Northwest Divs, you know, right at the at the early stage. So the new structure means hopefully some of the best guys won't box each other so early on. You know, this is the opposite problem to professional boxing. The best box the best <laughs> too soon. Um, but that's the great thing about amateur boxing. Well, you know, one of the things I, I really like about it is the fact that. Everyone boxes everyone. It doesn't matter, you know. Obviously, it matters if you lose, but people aren't afraid. You know, people don't protect records. Everyone wants to be in the big championships, um, so you do actually get sort of a really high standard of boxing, even in sort of, you know, the TA Centre in Grove Park yeah. for the for the Northwest Div Finals. What do you? Th I mean, you mentioned there the new scoring system. I mean, of, of of the amateur boxing that I've been along to, and and in in enjoyed kind of. The techniques and the actual boxing itself on offer, but have often been left a little perplexed by the scoring at the end of it. What impact can this have on amateur boxing? And I don't know that amateur boxing has got a huge following, but do you think this could perhaps um, seduce some that are a little more, like the likes of myself, for example, that are a little more stayed in their habits and they do just see professional boxing as, as king and, 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 and ignore the, the, the sport at its grassroots level? Do you think the scoring may, have, may be able to do that? I, th I think it does. I think it. D I think it should make it more accessible. It's sort of easier to get your head around it now, um, because we're used to that scoring system from the pros. I think people prefer there being no head guards because they can sort of see the faces and it gives more character to it. I, I, you know, I actually quite liked the computer scoring system. I like the way it valued. It sort of put a premium on skill, and so you know, power punching in amateur boxing didn't matter. Like a jab, if it landed, was as valuable as a. You know, big right hand. Um, you know, I, I like the fact that it put a premium on sort of speed and skill. I like the fact that um, you know, if you have the first two rounds are close on a scoring on the sort of point scoring system, you can be level going into the last round. This way, someone's got to win a round, so the fight can be done and dusted after two. Um, and I, I didn't really mind about head guards. They sort of, you know, I don't think they have a huge impact on safety, no, but it's quite no. good for PR terms, I think. Yeah. Parents would prefer to take their kids down an amateur gym thinking, oh, amateur boxing's all right, they wear head guards. Yeah. But that, those were just sort of my personal preferences, yeah. and I, have, you know, you know, I can't deny that there was a lot of criticism of computer scoring, especially by your sort of just casual boxing fans. You know, people didn't like, there was a lot of outcry out, you know, at the Olympics, people didn't like the scoring system there, even though, you know, obviously there was plenty of you know certain bouts you'd argue with, 
um, you know, overall, I, th I thought it was all right. But I, I think I, I think I was in a minority there. Yeah. So I think it's better for, for amateur boxing to have these changes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, I always applaud an open mind. That's what you have there, John. That's what you've exhibited. But, I'm just but, used but, to being wrong about stuff. But but speaking about speaking about scoring system, and please please um, um, and pardon me if it's if it's an obvious question, but obviously the the previous scoring system was all open. The fighters knew what was going on. Is it with the ten point must system? Is that going to be all open scoring in terms of the fighters will know what the score is? You know, with, I'm not sure how it's because I'm not sure how it's going to be displayed. Um, so say at the Olympics with the point scoring system, the scores flash up on TV yeah, screens yeah. so you see, but in sort of you know domestic ABAs, yeah. you don't really know the scores till the end. Right, right. So um, uh, I'm not really sure how it's going to. You know, I just don't think they're going to have TV screens at the uh, the London. So stages. they won't know. They won't know whether but, they're winning or not going into. Yeah, but with other sort of, you know, international things, you do get um, you do get the scores coming up. Yeah. Um, I'm just not sure how they're going to sort of stage it because I haven't seen this yeah. year's championships yet. So it is a new system that's yeah. coming in. So I think it's going to take a little while for it to, yeah. to, to bed in. Speaking about scoring and before we we, we move on, um, we've got an interview this week with Mauricio Suleiman and there's something that didn't make it into the into the um, copy that people will see um, in their um, issues this week, but it will be online, is, is Mauricio Suleiman and the WBC's take on open scoring in professional boxing, um, which at the moment they do in 12 round fights. Some of it is, is scoring which is made um, where they, they, they let the, the public know and obviously the corners know what the scores are after four and eight rounds, and then there's a more closed one where it's just the corners that know what the, the score is. There's been some criticism for that. Um, what's your take on it? I mean, I, sp I spoke to Mauricio, and he, they're they think it's a wonderful system. They think that it can make a fight more exciting if a fighter knows he's behind. Um, I did pose the question, well, you know, is there an argument then to, to make the scores public after every round, including the the 11th round, um, because obviously a lot can go on in the 8th to the 12th. Um, what's, your, what's your take on it? Um, I'm not, uh, you know, some people really think it's a, it's a bad thing and changes the complexion of, of a fight. I'm not, I'm not particularly opposed to it. Um, you know, certainly from what we were just saying, you know, in the amateurs when, you, when they, they used to show you the scores after a round, um, I didn't feel that made it less dramatic, um, though it did sort of change about when someone knows they've got to do, mm. you know, in th what they've been doing hadn't been working for that round. Uh, it would it would make it different. You would lose that sort of moment of tension waiting for the result, which is well, boxing is one of the few sports you don't know what the result is going to be yeah. um, when it ends. But, um, is that, but is that? It is, yeah, historically that's, that's the way it's been and, and, and Suleiman was saying that the reason they don't do it uh, before the, the, the final round is that, is that a lot of fans have said that they like that drama, that moment when the, 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 final, the final bell has sounded and then you've got those moments where it's been, if it's been a close fight, even sometimes if it hasn't been a close fight, you're not quite sure what's about to happen when the scores yeah. are read out. But you mentioned, but one of the arguments for it is, is that the, the, the fighters don't know if they've done enough, if they've been doing enough. 
Is that right in sport? It is surely the only sport where we don't know what's going on. Is that right? Should, should, should a fighter not have that information to know what he, if, if what he's doing is enough? And if it's not, then he needs to change it. Uh, some performance type sports like gymnastics or figure skating, you don't know the result to... Um, to well... End. Yeah, but in a way, boxing, you know, it, those are subjective things, aren't they? Yeah. And we have that element of sub subjectivity yeah. in boxing. It's sort of a performance that is judged essentially by the judges. But yeah, I'd agree. So it is, it's not, it's not an unprecedented thing to have. But, um, what's no, the but, but, uh, but all, okay, okay in, in, in a sport where you're competing against another, in, in a one-on-one -on -one kind of, you know, where it's a team against a team or it's, or it's a one-on-one -on -one event, you will know who's winning, won't you? Yeah. Apart yeah. from boxing. And that doesn't make it less dramatic. I don't think, maybe, you know, I think in boxing it'll probably add, mm -hmm. you know, a new, another, an, you know, another nuance to yeah. it. Like, yeah. you know, if something's not working, they're going to have to change. Yeah. Uh, and also the crowd can voice their displeasure at the, yeah. uh, at the scores as well. And I think, you know, leading, I suppose my instinct would be to lean towards something that's more open and more transparent that would probably add further pressure and yeah. more scrutiny on the judges and maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it didn't hurt Tony Thompson when he beat Solis, did it? Because he was, when, with the open scoring, exactly. he realised he was behind. Yeah, exactly. And he did, he did up know. his game. He did up his game. So it might, you know, it could help a fighter who should be winning and if they're yeah. not getting the rounds, yeah. um, they'll have to push it even harder. It may be yeah. hope. When that situation has stopped them from coasting, but then I suppose what the flip side is, if someone thinks they're miles ahead, they could sit back. But that's you know that's a recipe for disaster, ain't in in any sport yeah. you do. If you sort yeah. if you take your foot off your gas just because you think you're too far ahead. Exactly. So what, let's open it up. Let's see everything. Let's see it all. Transpar you know, Transparency is the way forward. Could, you could have more judges because I think the the new amateur system has sort of five, you know, at the international level. Again, I haven't, the ABAs in England haven't started yet, so I haven't seen how they're going to do it. But internationally, they're meant to have like five judges and at random pick three to get the score like that way. Sort of how they, you know, it sort of mirrors how they average scores to get to get points. Right, right. Which hope, which, you know, isn't Is, bad. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Okay, so, I feel like we've, we really covering, really covering some ground. I know, really right? covering some ground. I've got all day, Math. Okay, so let's 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 keep going through a few other bits bits and bobs to talk about, which um, I was going to talk about before you mentioned the ABAs, and you know, I'm glad you did. Glad you did. Blew your so, mind with that, Math. Yeah, you did. Hit you with a curve. <laughs> <laughs> right we can talk about eyes. other random stuff. So let's, let's talk. Let's, let's talk about. Let's talk about Carl Frampton. Um, big fight for him this weekend, perhaps the final hurdle um, against Hugo Cazares, um, very capable veteran um, in an eliminator. The prize um, for the victor, we're told, will be a shot at Leo Santa Cruz. Um, we spoke about this last week, I think, um, in that um, this is the kind of fight that you have to go through in order to get that world title shot, or you usually have to go through to get a world title shot. Historically, you would go through. Um, Cazares, been there, done it. Most would argue he's on the slide. Do you see an upset? 
I don't, but that doesn't mean it's not not a good fight. Because Oras is, you know, he's, he's a good opponent for this for this type of fight, isn't he? The sort of you know the gateway to a world title shot. So you know, Frampton's got to be the favourite, especially you know, especially in Belfast with that with that great crowd behind him. But um, you know, it's a good solid a good solid fight. As you know, with 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 the Barry McGuigan connections and everything else, there's almost and there almost has been this sense around Cole Frampton since he turned professional. Um, is it's it's almost a given that he's going to win a world title. Um, is there too much? Is there too much expected of Carl Frampton at this stage, and you know throughout his career so far, or is 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 the hype justified? Well, it's it's good that there's this excitement uh, behind him that he seems on a, on a path to, to to a world championship fight. It's going to be hard to win the title against Leo Santa Cruz. Yeah. Um, or indeed, you know, there are a lot of top super bantamweights out there as well. And he has, you know, on the way up, he hasn't, you know, he's, he's he, you know, the win over Kiko Martinez was a great win when you think that Martinez is not went on to yeah. win a world title. Um, but he's had his ropey moments, you know, Robbie Turley so, gave him yeah, a hard yeah, time. Yeah, I was there for that fight, yeah. You know, so nobody's perfect and everyone's going to yeah. have their, their hard fights. Um, but so far, he's sort of justifying the height because he's looked, you know, very good in his in his in his recent performances as well. And someone who's got, the, you know, who's got not just got a buzz about him in terms of how his performances are being judged, but also a buzz in people come, you know, turning out to watch him fight. That's a, you know, that, that's a good thing to see. So I wouldn't say overhyped, but there is hype, and it's 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 going to be very hard to actually win a title. But he's going to deserve the shot, a shot at if, one if if he wins. Yeah, no, that's 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 fair point. I mean, I just w I just wonder sometimes if if some of these guys um, are hyped to a fault in that. I mean, say say Frampton say Frampton has an off night against Cazares. Say he um, loses a decision. He deserves to lose a decision. Ordinarily, that would be no disgrace. Um, yeah. But because of the levels of hype around him and and. You know, Frampton does seem to have his feet on the ground. Um, another gentleman, another great guy to talk to. Um, but underneath it all, he will have been listening to this hype. He will have, he will have absolute, you know, stone cold belief in himself. But if he was to lose to Cazares, um, because of these levels of expectation, is there a danger that that could damage him? Yeah, well, so, yeah. Because he's got that air of invincibility. Nobody can beat me. Suddenly, when that's taken away from you, it can be very, very damaging. Yeah, but you know, sooner or later, everybody loses, and it's really all about how they react. You know, how they respond to that. Whether they yeah. can come back, you know, better. Yeah. Or or have it like you say, have their their aura shattered yeah. sort of permanently and not improve from it. Um, and yeah, you know, f we do get. You know the, the positivity can get overcooked, yeah. and then you can be too negative. If someone loses a fight, you know that happens. It is a sport after yeah. all. Um, but it would, if Frampton loses, it would invariably swing the other way, and then suddenly lots of people would be saying, "Oh, he was overhyped. He was never that yeah. good." Um, so yeah, I think a sort of cooler heads should prevail, and that he's not unbeatable now. And nor if he lost, would it be a disaster? But it yeah. probably wouldn't. Uh, it probably wouldn't pan out that way. 
but I think I think in the main you w you want to start generating excitement if you can. Yeah. So the hype the hype for him is probably a good thing. It's just it's just up to him to not let it affect him. You know, yeah. to, as in to not you know to be realistic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, good points. Good points again, John. Um, someone someone who has come back from defeats time and time again is Enzo Macronelli. Um, now we have spoke about him on this podcast and you know I have been guilty of writing him off completely. I have also been guilty of um, suggesting that he should walk away from the game. Um, you know whether my opinion on that has changed I'm not sure um, but I'm fascinated by his fight against Jürgen Bremer for the WBO light heavyweight title at the weekend. I haven't seen anybody bar um, some of some ardent Macronelli followers, Macronelli himself and Gary Lockett pick Enzo for the upset. What sort of chance does he have? A punch's chance. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah like he is you know, he is vulnerable, and like you were saying about, you know, we, we wanted to see him retire in the past because he'd suffered these really bad knockouts, and, you know, I think, I don't think we were knocking him by wanting him to retire. Yeah. I think it was more, you know, for the best possible reasons, in that, another, actually, we've been talking about a lot of nice guys in boxing, but Enzo is one of boxing's, you know, one of the nice guys of the sport. And we didn't like seeing him take those those bad knockouts, and it yeah, looked like he yeah, really exactly. could be hurt. Um, but he himself, he hasn't, he doesn't stay down, does he? Like he, he's been, he keeps coming back, and he is dangerous, you know, in the ring. He can really bang. Uh, but he is going to Germany against a seasoned champion who's old, but um, you know, not probably not past it yet. So he is going to be a big underdog. It's, it's an interesting one. I agree that he has got a puncher's chance. Um, there's something interesting that Gary Lockett said as well, that if he can just believe in his jab, that he's going to land at least once cleanly, and that might be enough. Um, my pace has probably quickened slightly because I can see red light flashing, which mean? means that we've probably got seconds, seconds left. Um, so... Um, thanks everybody for listening. Um, thank you ever so much, John. Really enjoyed that for chatting about all sorts of things about boxing. Um, I won't be here next week. I'm afraid I'm going to be stuck in Las Vegas. Oh dear, where is me? Um, so I suspect it will be yourself and Trish next week. So um, and I'll hopefully be allowed to return when I get back from <laughs> Sin City. Take care, everyone. Cheers. If you Bye. get back from Sin City, <laughs> good point. <laughs>